doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl, Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And today's very special guest is Miss Catherine Lankford. And like his title suggests, we're gonna talk about her tale of how she bounced back from bankruptcy, repaired her credit, faith, and so much more. What is going on, beautiful people? I hope you all are doing well. Once again, thank you all so much for joining me and supporting this podcast. And, you know, the love has been very, very real. And um, I know that most of us are definitely going to be pulling out our bikes because, baby, <laughs> these gas prices ain't no joke. Um some other interesting sort of, you know, financial news. Um, Amazon did a 21 split. So essentially that just means that um, they wanted to make the individual stock a little cheaper for investors like myself and yourself. Um, however, I mean, ETF and index funds do me just fine, although the market has been tanking. But remember, we are in this for the long haul, right? So <laughs> hold tight and slow and steady wins the race, right? Every, um, throughout the course of history, there's ebbs and flows, highs and lows, but just stick to the consistency, okay? Um, also, it appears that the Biden administration really wants to put their foot in crypto and, um, you know, cryptocurrencies and really get that stuff regulated. And what's interesting is that the whole point of <laughs> cryptocurrencies was that this is supposed to be decentralized and run by the people and, you know, without government interference. But it doesn't look like that is going to, um, doesn't look like that's really going to pan out. But hey, I'm not a crypto expert. So we'll kind of see how these things go. Um, and also the great resignation, right? I'm sure you all continue to hear about that. People, you know, leaving their jobs left and right. Uh, the pandemic, you know, pulled the lid off of a lot of people and, you know, people decide that they want to travel the world or they want to start their own business or they just want to be with their families or whatever the case may be. Um, but I hope that you are doing what is best for you. I hope that you're staying in tune with the most high, right? Again, those, those, um, those are spiritual downloads about, you know, what you need to be doing in this period of your life and really being um, open and vulnerable to the Holy Spirit. That is something that I am praying over myself and also all of you amazing listeners as well. And, you know, today's episode, I'm really excited because we have Minister Catherine Lankford. And so she has a really, really interesting story um, about how she bounced back after the 2008 uh, financial economic crash that happened. So who is Minister Catherine Lankford? Catherine Lankford, while she was born in Compton, California, she called San Antonio her home since the age of seven. She has over 20 years of experience in the mortgage industry and is currently a mortgage underwriting supervisor. She graduated from the University of Texas at San Antonio in 1994 with a degree in history and American studies. And she also earned Master of Divinity 
from the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta, Georgia, with a concentration in Christian education. She is an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church USA and an associate pastor at Liberty Community Church in North Minneapolis, where she is the director of Christian education and community engagement. So without further ado, let's get into this interview. Hello and welcome, Them Coins family. We have another very, very special guest, Miss Catherine Langford. Yay, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So most people are familiar. On the episodes, we like to take it back and we're going to take you back to your when you first began in the mortgage industry, how did that even come about for you? That that's actually a strange uh, strange start. Um, so I was um, working at Allstate Insurance Company, um, but prior to that, I had been with different multi level marketing companies and had been learning about finances. And so um, I was in San Antonio at the time. Um, moved to Atlanta. Uh, joined with the same company that I was with that was learning, um, you know, teaching me how to do my finances um, and uh, got with another group of people. And in Georgia, they did, they had changed the law that when it was time for you to like get a mortgage broker's license, um, they were going to have all these other, you know, criteria. And so the group I was with, they were helping people get mortgages and things. And they were like, okay, well, we all got to go take our test to get this before they change the criteria. So I was like, okay. And I went and <laughs> I took the test and um, passed the test and was able to get a mortgage brokerage license. And then when the boom was happening, like, you know, um, in the early 2000s, um, we decided to create a mortgage brokerage. And so I did it with the partner first. And then after that, I, I went on my own. That's a, a good financial lesson. If you're going to be a partner in a business, you need to make sure that you two are aligned because me and my partner were not, and it was not a pleasant experience. But um, even with that, I was able to go on and run that business myself for six years. So that's really how it started. I, I started processing part-time and then I, uh, started being a loan officer and then, um, you know, uh, launched the business. And that's how I got into mortgages. Cool. cool. Yeah. And I know that's not like the traditional way, (laughs) but that's how I got into it. (laughs) I'm going to learn more and more. Like, is there really a traditional way everyone has like these? (laughs) That's true. That's true. Interesting routes. Cool. Cool. Okay. And so when you, um, when you first started and, you know, you have your own um, mortgage brokerage um, firm and did you start um, investing in your own real estate during that time or was that before then? Um, Yes, it was during that time. And so even to take it back. So, like I said, I was, you know, in a regular corporate job um, doing the financial stuff on the side, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, you need to own your own property and things like that. And so, yeah, I went ahead and I, uh, I started the business. I had a home that I bought. Um, and then I started getting rental properties and again, everything was going good. You know, um, the loan part of it, you know, me running my business was good because everybody was getting a loan. Um, and then I was like, okay, I can get these properties and, you know, I had great credit, Um, I had a little bit of money saved up. And so I thought, you know, I can handle this. And actually I couldn't. 
Um, I knew how to get somebody in a mortgage. And it's not that I didn't know how to manage the rental properties, but I really just was not um, strategic in thinking, you know what, what if these people stop paying (laughs) their mortgage, right? Do you really have enough to cover your expenses plus these other properties? And I didn't just get one property and wait. I got like three properties within like a 10 month period of time. And so, yeah, I mean, I just was, I was going for it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, and for me, it, you know, when the market crashed, I had two issues. I had, um, you know, I was a very small broker, so I was a small fish in a very big pond. Um, and they were changing the regulations again. So it, they really pushed a lot of brokers out of the market. And so I was facing, okay, I'm going to have to probably close my business because I had left the corporate job that I had. I had left it and I was doing this full time for six years. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, do something different because I wasn't making any money when I started. I was not married. I did not have any kids. I was uh, finishing up a um a degree, uh, 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 sorry, a master's degree. Um, and so I was kind of like, you know, I had gotten my expenses down to $400 a month. So I was like, Ooh. you know, good. I was in the prime <laughs> place to start a business, right? I had saved um, prior to that. I had started saving my um, income tax refunds and I had done that for like two or three years. Um, and then I actually did use a little bit of my 401k. I know they say you're not supposed to do that, but I did to get my business started. And so I was, I was sitting good, you know, as far as my bills, as far as, you know, the money that I had, everything seemed fine. But then, you know, you start a business, you start having expenses. I had rented space and, you know, that's costly. Um, And then the crash happened. So I wasn't getting any business in. Um, And then the people stopped paying the rent on their, uh, on the rental properties. So all of a sudden I had like this huge, you know, decision to make. And it was very hard. I was very stressed. Um, But I was like, you know what, I got to do what I have to do. Um, I, again, sounded my finances, but this was getting ready to be, you know, what I call the trifecta of what you don't want to do in real estate. (laughs) And so I, um, I closed my business. I ended up having to file for bankruptcy. Um, I lost uh, those three homes. Um, And so I did what they, I did, I had to do a foreclosure. I did a short sale on one of them and I had to do a deed in lieu of foreclosure. Um, And so I know of a lot of people during that time who were like trying to hang on and make those payments and they depleted all of their savings. Mm. I knew enough about the mortgage industry to know those three options and know how it was going to affect me. And so I knew, you know, in mortgages and when you're dealing with your credit and stuff, when you have the big event, you want to have it all at the same time. You don't want to have a a bad time and then do good and then have a bad time. I was like, you know what, this is going to hit. Let's just let it hit all right now. So all of that happened at the same time. I knew my credit and everything was going to be shot. I was like in the 750 credit score range at the time. I knew my credit was going to be shot you know, with the bankruptcy that was going to stay on my credit. Oh, that was the hardest thing. Like this is going to stay on here for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know what? I just kind of sat down and was like, you know what? I know this is going to hurt, but I know these options and I'm going to do it. 
And so that's what I did. I, I did the foreclosure. I did the deed in lieu of foreclosure. I did the short sale. I did the bankruptcy um, and got myself, you know, started back to getting my credit back together. And I'm actually, believe it or not, glad that I did that because I didn't deplete every ounce of my savings. Me realizing that I was not going to be able to hold all of that. I was like, okay, I can't do it. And so let's uh, get, get this out of the way and then start building again. And that's what I did. And again, I know so many people that lost homes, lost all of their savings, almost lost their own primary residence, trying to hold on to something that they couldn't really manage in the first place. So that's kind of what happened to me um, in that process. Wow. Okay. Ooh, that's <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> but that's good though, because I, I like that because you you go all in, you know, you don't have so many things. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned that to stop the bleeding. Um mm-hmm. because there's a lot of sort of um romanticizing that's going on with you know real estate and owning properties, and it's all great. It's it's you know, it's mm-hmm. good to own property and things like that, but I mean, if you're bleeding out, you gotta, you gotta cut the thing off. (laughs) That's right. And that, and I, like I said, I'm so glad that I did that um, in that situation. And so I just started slowly, but surely with the knowledge that I had, um, because I had had to, you know, get myself out of debt a couple of times before it wasn't anything major, but you know, um, out of college, credit cards, you know, that kind of thing. I had had to get myself out of debt. So I had put myself through debt elimination plans. I had put myself through um, how to save um, at the same time. And so those are the things that helped me be in the position to even start the business. And so it was like, okay, well, you know, because a lot of times I'll say to people, you know, you may have to go through debt elimination more than once Um, because people feel like, oh, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm done. Hopefully that's the route, but sometimes things happen just like they happened to me. And I had to use those same skills to get myself back out of debt and get myself on a solid financial foundation. And so that's what I did. And I just, you know, fiercely protected my credit after that. I was like, again, you have that event. You want to get as far away from that negative credit as you can. And that just takes time. Mm -hmm. And so typically after, depending on what the event is, after two years, four years, what have you, um, you know, you're able to buy a house again. And so I just, you know, slowly but surely went through the process, cleaned up my credit, anything that was on there that I needed to get off. And I didn't go through a credit repair agency. I just knew what I needed to do myself. And so I did that. And um, I bought another home and that all happened in 2008. And by 20, I was ready sooner than then, but I didn't want to buy it yet. But by 2015, I bought, I bought my own home uh, again. I, my credit was back. It was actually in the 800s and I didn't have any problems because I made sure all of that was um, in place. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So, ooh, that like that whole process of, hmm, and it seems like you went through, you, you went through that pretty quickly. And so okay. yeah, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm all back on feet. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so, because I have a couple of questions. So mm-hmm. <laughs> with, um, with like debt elimination and, you know, filing for bankruptcy and things like that, the mental toll, and like, there's a lot of like, shame and guilt and like just 
not so good feelings <laughs> associated with that. So I'm curious to know mentally, how did you overcome it? Um, well, one of the things that's very important to me, um, I have a podcast myself called Finance and Affirmations. Um, and the affirmation piece is very important and it's about the mindset. And I totally went through that guilt and shame piece because I was like, I'm in, you know, the financial services. I know a little bit about this. I do mortgages. How could I have let this happen to me? But it did happen. I got overextended. I realized that um, there was about two months there where I was just depressed. Um, but I knew that I couldn't stay there. Uh, like I said, when I started, I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids, but by the time the crash and all that happened, I was married and I had a three month old. So I couldn't stay depressed for long. You know, you have to pick yourself up and, you know, start taking new steps to get yourself to where you wanted to be. And so it was a lot of mental toll, a lot of mental anguish, a lot of tears. And, and one of the ways that I kind of started to get out of it, because I would like, you know, talk to people and I would whisper like, well, you know, I've been through, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, it was so funny because there was these other people, they were whispering too. They were like, oh yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. And as I, as I started to share it, I realized there's a whole lot of people who in this same position, it may not look exactly the way mine looks, but they were struggling as well. And I'm like, okay, well then we need to stop whispering, you know, <laughs> and start <laughs> telling people what's going on with us so that we can help each other to get out of this. So yes, the mindset um, is important. And that's why for me, I would just encourage myself, you know, I um, am a spiritual person. I would encourage myself spiritually and I would have to just talk to myself like you can do this. I know it looks bad now, but you can get through this, you know, those kinds of things. And that was really important. And then two, thinking about for a lot of people, I found that they've had like past financial traumas that also inform like the decisions that they make that they don't even realize. And so for instance, for me, um, this was when I was still in college. Um, I was living with my mom at the time and my mom had lost a job. Mm -hmm. And so one night um, she lost her job. She was on unemployment. And one night it was like two o'clock in the morning and I could hear my mom crying. And so I'm like, you know, of course you're upset if you hear your mother crying and she was just like weeping. And I found out later that she had miscalculated like when that unemployment money was going to stop and it was stopping sooner than she thought. And so she was scared because she didn't know how she was going to pay the bills. And I had a job, but I was in school, you know, so my job was going to maybe do a little bit, but not a lot. But she was just weeping about that. And that really stuck with me. I didn't figure that out until years later, how much that impacted me, because I said to myself internally, not then, but I know now that I don't ever want my kids to hear me crying about money. I don't ever want that for them. And so for me, um, it kind of pushed me in a way to make some decisions to um, make sure that I'm safe, right? And so that all happened before this crash and all of that. And, um, but again, I got up, 
I had a baby at that point. I was like, "Mm -mm, she is not going to hear me, you know, crying about money. And so there are things like that that have happened in our lives that we sometimes need to make the connection to, to understand why we're reacting the way we're reacting, why we go all in or something, or why we're like, no, I'm too scared to do that. You know, money has a lot of emotions around it. And we need to understand what those emotions are and how they're driving us. Are they driving us positively or are they driving us negatively? Um, Those are questions I think that we all need to ask ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Wow, that is is awesome. And so, hmm, so then on the, we sort of got like the mental emotional stuff and mm-hmm. how to, and tips like overcome that. So then on the more practical side, how mm-hmm. did you go about repairing your credit? Cause I mean, you didn't, you didn't have to wait, you know, the, what is it? Seven to 10 years until it falls off. I mean, you were back up before then. So, <laughs> yeah. And so I guess I would, I would um, say that the knowledge that I did have in the mortgage industry helped me a lot. What I did know about um, what, mortgage companies accept for uh, your credit and the things, you know, I knew I, you know, I'm an underwriter, I'm an underwriting manager. So I still do that by trade in addition to all the other little stuff that I do. And so I understood what was needed. So, and then I also knew that there was a lot of things that I could do for myself. There are credit repair companies out there that are legitimate, but some of them are not. So you have to be careful about, you know, people are saying, oh, I'm going to repair your credit. You have to be careful about those things and do your homework with anything to make sure that you're getting good information. But I knew what I needed to do, and I knew that I could do a lot of it myself. So um, once that event happened, uh, typically like with FHA, if you've had a a bankruptcy um, on your credit, after two years Um, they allow you, if it's a chapter seven, not a 13 typically, but they will allow you to reapply for a mortgage and you can get a mortgage. With a foreclosure, um, it's a little longer in most cases, but um, I just knew the rules. And so I knew that I was going to be, I had still had a house for a minute and then went ahead and uh, got out of that, started to rent. And I knew that I was going to be a renter for a while. And so, like I said, I was just fiercely protective of my credit. Um, Sometimes people, you know, will uh, let other people use their credit and stuff like that. And I was like, nope, you know, I have a goal here that I'm trying to reach and I need to make sure that I reach it. And so uh, Capital One, I I don't get paid by Capital One. They can pay me if they want. But um, they were one of the first companies that reached out to me to give me a credit card. Um, And that's not the only way to build your credit, but that's what I used um, to build my credit. And so, um, you know, just making sure that I was paying that on time, paying your bills on time is critical. Also not being uh, overextended on that credit. So typically credit companies, what they're looking for is they want to make sure that you have 30% less, 30% or less utilization on your credit, that helps your score. So if you have a credit card that's $1,000, they want you to have a balance of like $300 or less. So I made sure that um, the utilization was correct. I also made sure that the things on my credit report were right, okay? So if there was a, um, a bankruptcy or a foreclosure or something, I made sure that it was right. I made sure that um, 
It was reporting on my uh, credit properly because during that time, there were a lot of uh, companies that just weren't reporting correctly. And so you could have a foreclosure or something on your credit way longer than it should have been. So I made sure all of those things were correct. Um, and then uh, I had a couple of these were not related to that, but, you know, we had some um, medical bills that I needed to pay off. And so um, because remember, I said you want to do all of the bad stuff at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were struggling to pay some of those things. And so I did um, where you could pay less than what you owe on the uh, on that credit. And because it was all happening in the same time, I was fine with that. And so I reached out to those creditors, never run from them. It's better to just talk to them and work it out. Okay, because that running, I call it like putting your head in the sand. When you put your head in the sand, if you think about your posture, you can't see anything, right? So Mm -hmm. predators are coming, people are, you know, if you lift your head out of the sand, now you can see things. It may be scary initially, but you can now make the steps that you need to make uh, to take care of it. And so I had three uh items that I did like that. And all three of them, they just wanted some money. Okay. I think one, I owed 600, one, I maybe owed 400 and they were willing to pay like to take 40 or 50% of the balance. Yes. It still stayed on my credit, but it was all in that same time frame. And so after about two years, all of that stuff, mortgage companies don't look at it the same anymore because you have time away from that event And so um, I just made sure that everything was paid on time and my my score just started to go up. And then just doing the things that you need to do to make sure that, again, you protect your credit, you're making your payments on time. It may take some time, but you'll get there. It's not, you know, that's none of that is exciting. None of that is sexy. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it's just the steps that you need to take. And so that's what I did. Um, And so when it was time for me to buy a house, um, I didn't have to, like a lot of times people have to go FHA because, um, you know, they have those events, but I was well outside of those things. Um, So I didn't have to go FHA. It's a great program. I'm not knocking it, but um, I didn't have to go that route. Um, And I was able to get my house the way that I wanted to get my house. So that's, I mean, again, it's, you know, you want to say something like, ooh, and I did this, and all of a sudden, it, you know, no. <laughs> you can't repeat I just went through overnight. the normal steps. <laughs> yeah, I just went through the normal steps, and that's, and that's how I, I got there. And, and so as a result of getting that cleared up, um, there are some schools of thought that say you should work on your credit, then you should work on this and that. I kind of did everything at the same time. I did the debt elimination part, I did the saving part, and I cleaned up my credit all at the same time. Um, that's what worked for me. I'm a both and kind of person. I know that there is, you know, programs out there that say only save, you know, only do debt elimination, mm-hmm. only, you know, and if that works for you, great. But like if you're thinking about debt elimination, if and you're using like the snowball or the avalanche method, um, And if you pick the bill with the highest interest, that may take you years Mm -hmm. to pay off. And so if you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to save until I get this paid off. To me, that just never made sense. So Mm -hmm. even if I put, you know, 70% of my extra money to that and 30% in savings, that made more sense to me so that I could be doing it together. 
And so that's what I was doing during that time, paying off debt again, uh, saving money. And at one point, um, the only money that I had to save was just putting money in my 401k. I didn't have a whole lot of extra savings. I was like, okay, at least I know I'm saving that way until I can start saving again. And then I just, you know, start saving $5 a month. $20 a month, you know, just little, you know, increments. Maybe this is the, the, um, the session about just doing it, the, you know, doing it slow, but getting it done. And so like, one of the things that I say is like, even if you have a bucket and water is dripping down, yes, it's taking a long time, but eventually that bucket is going to fill. And so you have to do the steps that you need to do to get to where you want to be. you're now financially back in good standing and things are pretty much killed out at this or leveled out at this moment and so <laughs> you well I know the audience can see but you are rocking one of your one of your um your hoodies and, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and she's and yeah, we'll put the link for Catherine's uh, website she's got a lot of great hoodies on her website and t-shirts and like fun like financial um, financial t-shirts and things like that. And there's a lot of them primarily on trading. So, so you actively day trade? Uh, I am a swing trader. Um, so what I would say is because a lot of times, again, people like the glitz and the glamour and it sounds fun and all that. Um, so, uh, I'm going to be a, a wet blanket here. Okay. So before you try to start day trading and all that, do you have your budget together? <laughs> do you have savings together? Do you have an emergency fund together? Um, do you have life insurance that's going to cover you in case of an, uh, you know, an event? Um, do you know, are you saving for retirement? Do you have, you know, so <clears throat> you've got all of those things covered, right? And now you have some extra money to do something extra with. So that's the route that I took. And I was like, okay, so I want to learn more. Now, I told you about those uh, financial services companies I had been with before. So at one point, I had a Series 6 and a Series 63 license. And what that allows you to do is to sell mutual funds and life insurance. And I never took the Series 7. That's the one that allows you to, uh, to do stocks and stuff. Because it always just seemed like it was so <laughs> outside of what I could do. It was just going to be hard. <laughs> Um, and so I never took it. And so I was like, you know what, I really do want to get in the stock market. But like most people, I didn't know what to do. But I always just kind of kept my ear to the ground, like when people were talking about it. And so um, I was listening to uh, a radio show, uh, Karen Hunter, and she had a guest on there named Terry Egioma. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about trading in the stock market. And so I'm listening, you know, <clears throat> and things are like, hmm, okay, that sounds interesting. And then she said like two things and I was like, oh, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> she said, um, oh, well, there's a way for you to make money on the way up and on the way down. And I'm like, really? Okay. And then she said, because um, that was my thing, like, how do I 
um, mitigate my losses, right? Because like I, I used to be, like I told you, I used to work for all states. So it's like mitigation is like, you know, how do I prepare for losses, right? And so she was like, oh, well, there's a way that you can set a stop so that you only lose a certain amount of money. I was like, oh, okay, I need this in my life. Okay. Yes, I can, <laughs> I can do that. You know, I can make money going up and down and I can mitigate my loss. I got to learn more about this. And so um, I joined her course um, and it, it, it has just been wonderful um, for me. Um, it, it, it is an investment in yourself. Let me just say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It, Uh (laughs) It is an investment in yourself, but I felt like, you know what, Um, I'm ready for this, right? And so I joined in April of 2019 and I started uh, trading. I went the slow route. I still have a main job. I still have a side hustle. I still have a husband. I still have kids. So it wasn't like quick, but all of the information that she taught was so useful, Um, And, you know, I see all those other things like, oh, earn a million dollars next month. You know, there's a lot of the companies out there like that, that are scams. Um, But her, it just like there was a connection. And when I joined the course, it was still like now it's huge. Like if you know of Terry Egeoma, it's huge. But when I joined, it was like maybe 100 people, (laughs) 200 people maybe in the course at that time. And so as I was listening and learning, different phrases and things would come to my mind and I would like laugh because a lot of the terminology, excuse me, y'all, my sense of humor is a little funny. A lot of the terminology that you use with trading sounds kind of sexual, right? And so I'm like, oh, this is, you know, and so what I did is the first t-shirt that I created just says, I swing. And so uh, a swing a trade is a type of trading. So you ask me, do I day trade? No, um, a day trader is someone when you get into a position. So say you buy Apple, you buy Apple today, you get out of Apple today. That's a day trade. A swing trade is I buy Apple today and I get out on another day, whether it's the next day or two weeks or a month from now, that's a swing trade. So I swing. Um, but most people know when you hear I swing, a whole right, lot right. of other things <laughs> come to your mind. So that's kind of where that came from. And so just the the uh, community uh, there is just so rich and everybody jumps in and helps. And so I started creating T-shirts um, as a result of that. And that's how I got into it. And so now I'm really excited because I had joined her VP VIP course um, a year or so ago. And now I'm trading options and um, I'm learning how to do that. And so that's exciting. And so I'll just tell you real quick, this other piece. So I'm also an associate pastor at a church. I told you I'm doing like a hundred things, right? (laughs) And so I'm over the Christian education and the community development. And so I started a financial uh, literacy programming for the church. And so I said, you know what, what I have learned about investing I want to teach the kids. And so I also have an investing club that I teach to the kids at my church. Um, We've had a few, uh, it's it's slowed down just a little bit because of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, because we were meeting in person, you know, doing it virtually, we did it, but it's just not as exciting. Yeah. Uh But we have that started back up again. So I have kids and I'm teaching them how to invest the long term, not trading yet, how to invest the long-term, you know, for retirement, all of that good stuff. 
Um, and then um, the way our program is, which is uh, so exciting to me, it, it just came to me one day. So in order to be a part of our trading club, um, you have to be um, sixth grade through 10th grade. Um, we don't take them older just because they don't have enough time in there, but we mm -hmm. teach them financial literacy. We teach them how to budget. We teach them how to invest. We teach them um, how to grow a business. We teach them um, civic engagement. All of that is a part of it. So in order to be in the investment club, uh, you, you, the hope is that you stay in until you graduate. So the, there's two requirements. So we're trading. And I actually just created an app <laughs> um, for this. Uh, yeah, because, you know, a lot of the, there's a lot of great things out there. Like one of the things we use is called the stock market game. And there's a lot of different games like that where the kids are trading in a simulator. Um, and there you doing like a $100,000 portfolio, right? That's all well and good. But like, um, I'm in North Minneapolis, um, and so there is a lot of um, the poverty, you know, it's below the poverty level. And so most of the kids, you know, I pray that they're there, but at some point, you know, when they come out, they're not going to have a $100,000 portfolio. Mm -hmm. And so the way I structured it, the reason I needed to create the app is because none of the other stuff was doing what I wanted it to do. Um, so I created this app that helps the kids learn how to trade. And what I do is they start with the balance and then each month they get like $25. And that's how we have to do just like budgeting. You know, you may not be able to start with $100,000, but you may be, you might have $200, right? And you may have to add $25 a month. So this app is teaching them how to trade and budget their money. So no, you can't buy, you know, an Amazon stock right now. Amazon right. stock is like $2,800 for one, mm -hmm. right? Yep. But you may be able to buy, you know, another one that costs $80. Like Trade Desk right now is, you know, around $80. Um, so that teaches them how to trade. And then anyway, getting long story short, um, whatever they gain over the time that they're in the course, um, once they graduate and show proof that they're a registered voter, then whatever gains that they had, we'll give them that um, in real cash. So if Catherine. they earned, <laughs> what? I'm, yeah. I'm a sixth grader. I need you. <laughs> <laughs> and we do have a max that they can uh, reach. But the goal is it's the whole teach them how to fish thing. Right. Yeah. So if they know how to fish, it's the skill that they have that they can hopefully go and uh, uh share with their families and their friends. And then they can um, hopefully now it's their money. When we give it to them, it's theirs. They can do whatever they want with it. But my hope is that they will start their own brokerage account mm -hmm. and continue mm -hmm. that account and continue to invest. Now, if they don't, they may need books or something for college or whatever, but, um, but th that's the skill that they will have for their lives. And that's what we want to teach. And so that's what I'm doing uh, with the kids. Um, at my church. And I'm really excited about oh, that. That is awesome. Oh, that is an awesome program. <laughs> I'm in sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the other thing is a lot of the stuff that we have learned, we had to learn, you know, they don't teach it in schools for the most part, you know, <laughs> and so teaching the financial literacy and all of that in conjunction with the investing. And then um, as they like the older grades, as they get older, we'll do some trading. But um, just giving them those solid financial principles, I want them to have that so that they're not scared, you know, and not, you know, 
they don't misunderstand what it means to get your credit back, you know, to get your, to run up a credit card and all that. They understand all of the ramifications of that now um, so that they can come out a little, a few steps ahead, you know, uh, when they uh, enter uh, college and have to manage their own finances. That is awesome. <clears throat> I really like that. So do you guys like, are you guys going to like franchise that out or something? Like, I'm really like- <laughs> At some point that look, I'm probably saying way, I'm probably saying way too much, but um, yes, at some point um, I would like to do that, um, get the curriculum and everything. Um, Cause again, I'm doing it through my church. Um, we're working on getting funding and all of that kind of stuff. We already have commitments from um, our church and a few other churches with the, you know, to help with the money at the end. Um, so they will get, you know, I, I don't play them kind of games. If we say that you're right, going to get right, this right. money, you will get this money. Um, so yeah, you know, working on that, but yeah, that's my goal. So you and your listening audience, you guys can pray for me, um, that all of that comes to fruition in the way that I see it. And, um, and that I will be able to offer it, especially the app, because the app is what I created. Nobody else has it. Um, and it, you know, so that part, you know, I will make it available to other people. So I'll just stay in touch with Akua and let her know, um, when it's available to everybody so that she can let you guys know. It may be, it may take a little bit, but Mm -hmm. every month we're doing improvements. And so I'm just so excited about it. Yeah. Cause we, yeah, we can definitely use it at my church. I would love that. (laughs) Oh, a curriculum on personal finance for the youngins yes I would love that. yes mm-hmm. yes so, yeah definitely let me know the moment <laughs> the moment is... in it okay in the app I'm getting everything <laughs> Catherine you were just you were just a gem in and of yourself and I just feel like this has been such a great episode and I just love I just love your plethora of knowledge. I find that uh, most people that I interview, like they have one specific specialty. And I kind of find that you kind of have your hands in all the different pots <laughs> and that's great. And I love that. And you're versatile. And so I wonder if, you know, looking back on, you know, your entire journey and everything <laughs> that you've gone through, not just financially, but just life in general, is there anything that you wish, oh, like, I wish I would have done that differently or wish I could have changed that? Mm, well, I wish I hadn't overextended myself in, <laughs> in the real estate market, but it taught me a good lesson. Probably the biggest thing, one of the things I can say that my mom taught, she's deceased right now. My mom did not make a whole lot of money. My mom did not have a whole lot of savings, but she just taught me some practical things. Um, you know, for her, she was like, pay your bills because you don't want people, this is at the time, you know, when bill collectors call, you don't want people calling you, stressing you out. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was, that helped me with my credit because I was like, I don't want to be stressed out. And it also helped me with my, my um, financial, I mean, my, um, sorry, we got the pause again. Okay. It also helped me personally with my own peace of mind. So that was a financial lesson, but that was also a lesson um, for my peace of mind. And so one of the t-shirts that I have on um, late last year, you know, we've been through a lot these last two years, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm not really a ner- like an anxious person. Like, you know, I may be anxious. I don't like to fly. You know, I might be anxious before I fly or something like that, but never anything that just stays with me. And so I realized late last year, like every morning I was waking up and my heart was just pounding. 
And I'm like, what is going on? And so like during like prayer and meditation, these four words just dropped in my spirit. There's tons of calming practices, all of that. But basically what they just say is just to breathe, right? And so we know when we breathe, it kind of slows us down. Um, it releases endorphins in your brain. Um, and then the next step says to get quiet. And so sometimes, you know, you need to get quiet so you can hear what the next steps are, right? Um, but also in that quiet piece, you also need to ask questions. And so I use that time as like, you know, if you're a spiritual person, Lord, spirit, you know, whatever you're, whatever you, um, whatever you practice, but it was time for me to ask questions and to receive those answers. So it's breathe, get quiet, then reflect. So reflect on how you got to where you got, you know, um, what happened, what could I have done differently, what challenge, you know, what things that I maybe didn't see. So you take that time of reflection, right? And then you reset. That's the fourth piece of it. And the affirmation that came to me the other day, um, I was thinking about like, you know, is this where I'm supposed to be? Right. And the thing that came to me right away is like, you know, I'm not sure, but I am where I am and I'm going to move forward from here. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would like to leave and offer your listeners. I am where I am. So I'm going to just take the steps I need to reach the goals, you know, just starting from here. Awesome. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you so much, Catherine. I'll make sure to breathe, get quiet, reflect, reset. Because <laughs> I know I had a couple of times this week where I was <laughs> on the table, Lord. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. Yes. For sure. Oh, well, thank you so much, Catherine. This has been just a fantastic episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Oh, y'all thought I was done? Uh-uh. We bringing heat all 2022. Oh, well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode. Lots of great takeaways. I think my main takeaway was actually not something that Catherine said, but really just her actions. I know for me, when things go awry, I tend to overthink and wallow. And that's why I asked her about how she was able to mentally overcome filing for bankruptcy, losing a business, and then having to start all over. And really, it was just to get to work, just to get to action. And yes, do those daily affirmations, breathe and calm yourself down and reset and do things like that to help rebalance yourself. But that practice takes a minute, right? So if you are in a place where you are starting over, I encourage you to keep on trucking and you're here and you're going to make it through. You know, time heals all wounds. So keep trucking and I love you. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. 
feel free to reach out to me via email, hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.